Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. Ah, wasn't that introduction music so especially glorious this week and this day? Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. Begora, this is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We're recording on Sunday, March 13th, but likely this episode is being broadcast on the 17th, which, as we all know, is the Feast of St. Patrick. Victor Davis O. Hansen is the Martin and Neely Anderson <laughs> Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale uh, College. The first topic on today's show will have to be the cognitive state of that great Irish American and that leprechaun of leftism, Joseph Biden. And we'll get to that right after this message. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, this is Jack Fowler. I am the host. I forgot to mention my name. I'm half Irish, by the way. Hey, we're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show, the St. Patrick's Day edition. Uh, it's intro theme music, by the way, which I must admit was chosen by Victor, or I, it could have been chosen by Sammy. Um, she usually chooses the right things. That is the Irish quick step, commonly known as the Gary Owen and it's the uh, was the theme of Custer's 7th U.S. Cavalry Regiment, and it's now the theme of the U.S. 1st Cavalry Division. And I love that that's our podcast theme music. So anyway, Victor, about the cognitive matter, Ronnie Jackson, he is the former White House physician, both for Obama and Donald Trump. And he tweeted last week, quote, Biden doesn't know what's going on with Ukraine. He doesn't know what's going on with anything, all capital letters, exclamation point. He's not cognitively capable of leading. He needs to resign, all capital letters, before our country suffers more. I have to admit, Victor Ronnie Jackson, Dr. Jackson, is a Republican. He's running for Congress. But, you know, he, he won. Son- he, I, he's, he's a congressman. He's a congressman. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's what he says, I think, matters, especially given his experience. We've talked about Joe Biden's cognitive abilities. What do you have to say about what I think Ron Jackson says? I think you had a really good point. I think Jackson's the one that gave Trump the Montreal cognitive assessment. 
I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast that you can find facsimiles of that test, you know, online. And I, I looked at it and it's some of the stuff is easy. You know, they show, as I said earlier, they show a hippopotamus and a rhinoceros and, you know, or a camel with one hump and a dromedary, I guess, with two or, and you have to identify them, but they have, you recite backwards and forwards numbers and stuff. And he got all the questions. I think there were 30. He got them all right. Trump did. And remember the context of that. We didn't, we on the conservative traditional side didn't introduce the 25th Amendment issues. We understood that after the death of Kennedy, it was designed for a physically incapacitated president. But the left weaponized it. And, and I'm being literal here, Jack, because 11 days after Donald Trump was elected, Rosa Brooks in foreign policy, the kind of a flagship left wing diplomatic magazine said, we got to get rid of this guy. And they've already introduced articles impeachment. That won't work. And we've got a, the 25th Amendment's too hard. So maybe a coup would work. She wrote that. But one of her her alternatives was the 25th Amendment. And that was just illustrating that that's what the left was doing. So we had a lot of manifestations of that against Trump. You remember Rod Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe were having this discussion about who was going to wear the wire to get Trump to say something so then they could go to the cabinet members on the, uh, the provisos of the 25th Amendment and get him out as if he was non-compos mentes. And then what was her name, Jack? Dr. Bandy Lee from Yale, so. the psychiatrist, professor of psychology that testified that Donald Trump was not only crazy and mentally unfit, but they needed an intervention, i.e. the guys in the white coats, <laughs> three stooges like intervention and put him in a straight jacket and put him off to, is, it, is there still a Bellevue in New York? I don't know. But the point what I'm making is that that was a big theme that he should be removed uh, and a president right. and now it's crickets. There's nothing. I thought, wow. And, you know, as I've said earlier, and I think that's still correct, he's declining geometrically, not arithmetically. He can't do what he did on Inauguration Day. And it's only been, you know, 13 months. He can't do it. And so he has to go home. One of the signs is that when a person is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, I, I took care of my grandmother from the age of 88 to 93 in this house. And I can tell you that familiarity is very important, that a person will click back in when they see familiar things. I think that's a lot of Biden's problem. That's why he goes home so he can reacquaint himself with his home house. He's not in the White House or they can protect right. him or they can keep people away from him. But it's highly irregular that every weekend a person wouldn't go to Camp David or stay there. He'd just go to his retreat kind of check out and you know they they have that they call it that i guess the term they use now is the lid they put the lid on very early in the afternoon or late morning right. he's not up to the job and they know it and it's hard to know whether the whole black woman be vice president was made in the heat of passion during the george floyd demagoguery where the left was pandering so Biden wanted to jump the gun under pressure that from the Black Caucus in Congress that said, we won you the South Carolina primary and turned you around for Nevada, otherwise you wouldn't, wouldn't have been elected. And so we want a Black woman. Or, this is a little stretching it a little bit, it was the Agnew strategy, you know, that, well, I am not able to do the job because I'm not cognitively fit, but just like People wanted to impeach Richard Nixon. They couldn't because they knew Spiro Agnew was beyond the pale or a crook or et cetera, et cetera, from his days as a Baltimore mayor, I think, and then governor was, of Maryland. Uh, right. Governor of Maryland. But my point is that I don't know whether he, he picked this incompetent Kamala Harris because he knew that all discussions that you and I are having about the 25th Amendment will eventually end with the phrase, oh, oh, but what would you want? Would you want Harris? And so now we're with this sort of, you know, damned if you do, damned if right. you don't. You've got a cognitively impaired president that doesn't know where he is. And you've got a non-cognitively apparent impaired vice president who doesn't know anything. Right. 
somebody well, used to know something and forgot it. And somebody never knew something, but doesn't forget that she doesn't know anything. Right. Well, she let's talk about her then, because she was a subject uh, matter for a little later. But let's drag this up front. Then I had called her in my little notes here, the cackler of the the, pre- the leader of the free world sent the cackler of the free world to uh, soothe uh, the concerns of America's NATO allies. She was in Europe last week over fears that, you know, America might not be fully supporting NATO or how the level of its support in Ukraine. So she was there to assure. So so in Poland, she's at a press conference with Polish President. I'm sure I'll say this wrong because I always say names wrong. <laughs> no, Andrzej, just, I, I, Andrzej I'm, Duda. I, I'm laughing because I saw that clip. Yeah. Uh, Andrzej Duda, and she lapsed into her infamous, and I think it's really unsettling, cackle uh, when asked about America accepting Ukrainian refugees. The former press uh, communications head for Ukrainian President Zelensky tweeted something and was pulled, but it's like, you know, this is thanks uh, for unsettling us with your crazy public display. That's not what she tweeted, but that's essentially what she wrote. So we have that. And then interestingly, Victor, I think on on The View, the infamous show, The View, Whoopi Goldberg's show, even though she was not here for this episode, there's some lady on The View, Sonny Hostin. And yes. she, was, she was emphatic that the criticisms of Harris, this is about Harris's performance in Europe by you know, Fox News and other conservative sources, was driven by what? Guess what? Racism and yes. misogyny. So, so Victor, we have, uh, you know, she's plan B, ain't going to be there, as you were just saying. But should her performance in Europe have been unsettling to, to yeah, it, our NATO allies? It was unsettling to everybody because people thought, my God, this is the person who's supposed to be the sane one that can bring Biden back from drifting off into somnolence or something and she doesn't know anything and it comes on the it's a long pattern so i guess what i'm saying jack is that when she gave that little school mom thing this is ukraine it is in europe she was really schooling herself but it was so pathetic you thought that she would be swarmed by aides and staffers and sit down and say come out this is europe this is here's a map now we're going to the next and they would prep her but she there's just such a void there in her mind or head that you can't prep her because it's kind of like filling up a huge empty vessel with very little material. It's so vast, the void. And so she goes in and then remember she has friends in need or friends indeed. Like, I don't, I can't answer this. Why are you doing this to me? She doesn't know anything. And why doesn't she know anything? Because she was a black woman. And she was given a pass through all of her schools. And then she went in California. Remember, it's not really a democracy anymore. It's a one-party monopoly. And you go and the focus and the nexus of power is no longer Los Angeles. You used to have the money and the population. It's Silicon Valley that's vastly more wealthier and San Francisco. And she got very young. She got in there and she hooked up with Willie Brown, and she was appointed to boards, and then they decided the you know the Newsoms and the Gettys and Willie Brown. Everybody. Then she'll be city attorney. Then she'll be county attorney. And there was never any audit until she she had her first audit, in the sense of people actually asking tough questions when she ran for president, and she got zero or is it one? Correct me, Jack. I thought it was zero delegates before Maybe she zero, got, but she got her butt handed to her by Tulsi Gabbard in the the debate. She did. And she had that little cute, I was that little girl, that little ambush she did of Biden. And uh, she doesn't know anything. And she's vice president of the United States at a time when the president very clearly is disabled. And so she thinks she's left wing, but she's not even left wing because she's, she doesn't even know what that term means. It's really amazing. I mean, her parents were both PhDs, and for all her victimization, crybaby stories, she grew up in a pretty much solidly middle class, if not upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's disturbing. Yeah, I was trying to think: is there synonyms that we could come up with? Because I, I, all I see is cackle, 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 simper. <laughs> or I don't know, guffaw or corpus. Yeah, that's- 
It's a cackle. You know? Sn- snigger? Yeah. I can't say that word. A ca- a ca- yeah, cackle by any other name, Victor. Uh, she is she is the uh, pinup, uh, not poster child, I'll say, poster child for intersectionality, right? I mean, she, she really crosses some of those, checks those boxes. She reminds us of that. We don't remind her. She does. She, every single question. Remember when, I guess we're going to talk about him, Juicy staged a psychodrama, and it was a race between who would, A, send sympathy to him quicker, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but who would be more outrageous in believing that crazy defy the laws of nature by throwing bleach out in sub-freezing weather, you know, story. And they both did, but hers was pathetic. Right. And there's never any consequences, no embarrassment. I mean, that was the worst tweet I've ever read, I think, that, you know, she when she swallowed that, she didn't just swallow, swallow that con, but she used it to demagogue. Right. And she's vice president now. And I think the Europeans are thinking, you know what? They're thinking, at least with Trump, we were under such a thing called a nuclear umbrella. And right. we, had, we had Article 5, but these people were on our own. It might be good in the long run in a weird way, Jack, because they might think there's nothing there there. So we better rearm and take care of ourselves. Just They have a billion people, the NATO alliance. Well, Victor, you mentioned Juicy Smollett. I'll call him Jussie, just so we have both pronunciations yeah, was, covered. It. And I was kind of being funny, but that's he's not out. very juicy. Uh, he he stinks of bleach. But let's talk about him right after this important message. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. We're recording on March 13th, and I'm operating under the supposition that this podcast is being released on St. Patrick's Day. So Aaron Gobra to all of you. Irish for a day, including you Swedes who are Irish for a day. And I'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But Victor, Jussie Smollett, Juicy Smollett of infamy has been, was convicted. And, and now he was, he's been sentenced. He's in prison. He was mocked even by the sentencing judge. Smollett was defiant in the courtroom and, and crawled up, as my father might say, crawled up on the cross immediately as if he was going to be murdered in prison. So that's of interest, his behavior, but also of interest, I think, is that the Cook County state attorney who originally gave him a pass for his lying and his lawbreaking, uh, Kim Fox, she's come out and said in his sentencing that justice may not have been served. Instead, maybe vengeance was. Of course, this is again, he was sentenced to actual prison time because he was black because the system is racist. Victor, your thoughts about the post-game show? I don't know if it's post-game. I, this is just another chapter. I'm sure when this guy gets out of prison, we're going to hear more uh, sob stories and chapters of, of Jesse's well, the judge, life. But- the judge, I could not believe the epithets, narcissist, egocentric, the whole bit. And so he doesn't care that, you know, this is a very racially touchy society right now. And he ginned up this whole idea to increase racial tension so then he could be a victim and go back to his producer 
and say, look, I don't want to be cut out of the script. I'm a celebrity now, and it had the opposite effect. But what was worrisome about the whole thing is we keep putting up with him. Why did the judge even, I mean, you get to say, you can say a few things, but just shut the blank up and put him in jail, even if it's for this small little 150 days or something or whatever it was. It's just, he's just irritating. And he asked America to believe that he woke up at two in the morning or he went out at two in the morning. It was like wind chill 40 below. And he saw in this very left wing, mostly black or non-white neighborhood, two, what, Okies, yokels, dregs with mega hats that were white. And they just happened to be carrying around Jack, you know, because you never know when you're going to see Jesse Smollett of Empire. And of course, they watch it all the time, being big aficionados of black TV. And uh, they had got their, you know, you can imagine what they were saying to each other. Hey, let's go out at two in the morning and uh, we'll get the rope like we always do and get the bleach. Make sure you got those MAGA hats. That'll protect us from assault. And we'll go and look for people like Jesse Smollett. And they see him and you know, they'll call him a, what, uh, a, the N-word, and they'll call make fun of his homosexuality, and then they'll throw bleach on him, which will defy the laws of chemistry and right. won't freeze in the midair. And then they will take the rope and put it around his neck as if they're going to lynch him. And then Juicy, remember this, Jack, one hand on the cell phone rec- uh, talking about it, one hand with a sandwich, fights right. them off, I guess, and Bruce Lee kickboxing style with his feet i guess he defies the laws jumps up in the air cell phone sandwich kicks them both drives them off comes back to his apartment oh by the way the cops come he's so exasperated that he's got the noose still around his neck they doesn't want them to see any of his cell phone or communications equipment for some strange reason and within a few days uh, we learned that his two African, as in from African America, from Africa, trainer and personal attendant have been hired by him. And he wrote them a check and they are filmed in a hardware store buying the rope and the bleach. And we know from their communications that he had them scout out the site in advance. And Black Lives Matter wants us all to forget that and say, no, it was all racism. And, you know, when you look at BLM and you look at what they said about Rittenhouse, it's all racism or Waukesha. It's not about racism when it was. It's all of these ridiculous things we're asked to believe in, in corporate America. And it's getting into your mention of Disney earlier. It's really disgusting. America's looking for one brave woman or man that said, I don't accept these terms. I will not accept the terms of your right. sick society. Right. And I say, I accuse you. You don't accuse me. I accuse you of being morally bankrupt and entirely ignorant. And then says, non-hick porcus, not this pig. I'm sorry. You're not going to roast me. We're waiting. I think that person is Victor Davis Hanson. <laughs> I hope so. I, I, you know, anybody who get close to that story and believe it from the first, yeah. I wrote, I think I wrote something the first few hours about that. And gosh, all these people were competing to see who could virtue signal the most. And he did so much damage. It was right during the police, you know, spike in crime, right. made fun of the police. He accentuated racial tensions hostilities he god he got preferential treatment as he was the more he talked about being a victim of gender or racial or gay bias the more he leveraged his fame and money to try to get off with the black hierarchy of chicago even michelle obama's assistant got in on it so it was disgusting and i hope he goes there and he's he says he's going to be jeffrey epstein i guess he's not He's not not because this country's not capable of that, right? But because he has he's nobody. He has nothing on anybody. Jeffrey Epstein had huge files on the bicoastal elite, so right. he was a dead man walking when he went to jail because they were never going to let those pictures out. I'm not a conspiracy theorist; just a fact. 
And Jesse, what does he have on anybody? He's just a non-entity. He knows he knows what a Subway sandwich tastes like when it has bleach on it. So that's, <laughs> that's, about, that's about all I can tell us. All right, Victor. Hey, we're going to talk now about an important uh, Wall Street Journal poll that has a really bunch of interesting numbers on a variety of things. So here, let me let me put some of these out. This poll was published last week. Here we go. 57% of Americans are unhappy with Joe Biden's job performance. 63% disapprove of his handling, quote unquote, handling of rising costs. That's almost two thirds of the nation. The congressional vote preference is 46% Republican, 41% Democrat. On the side here, Biden and Trump have equal favorability ratings, 41%. And on a hypothetical 2024 rematch, it's uh, right now 45, 45. 58% say Biden is unfocused on important issues. And this really gets me. And I'd like to talk about this number, maybe in our next subject, because we're going to talk about energy. Only 2% of those polled rate green economy or climate as an important issue. Only 2% of America think what, what's driving all our policy is important. The Democrat hold on black voters shrank from a 56-point advantage to a 35-point advantage, which means right now that the Republicans had 12% support from black voters. Now it's at 27%. And this is a big number. The Republicans now have a majority of support from Hispanics. Victor, there's a lot that's interesting in this poll. I think politically, if those last two numbers about the Hispanic and the black vote goes, as, as politics goes, that is a backbreaker for the Democratic Party. I don't know if those numbers would hold when, when election day comes, particularly for black voters, because we saw some numbers like that prior to the 2020 elections, and there was a shrinkage, as they say. Anyway, Victor, there's a range of interesting results there. Your thoughts on any of them? Well, I mean, there's panic among, and you saw that these Democratic strategists and Congress people are saying we got to not talk down to people. But the problem with it is that it's all the issues, but it's even more than all the issues are underwater. It's the attitude, the persona, the voice, the mannerisms, the sanctimonious of the left, this hard left. And that really strikes a lot of people. But I, I take the Hispanic community. When I talk to people I went to school with, Mexican-American friends, it's not just issues. They don't like those people. They don't like them when they dismiss their concerns about, you know, a parent has to stay home because teachers unions are making everybody Zoom and there's nobody to watch a kid or they have to drive 50 miles. They don't like that attitude. And I think that's the problem. Nobody likes this squad. Nobody likes that shrill Elizabeth Warren. Nobody likes Bernie Sanders, you know, this old socialist communist boilerplate. Nobody likes Joe Biden's dog face ponies. It's that constant, I'm better than you, Fauci talk. And I'm going to tell you what you are going to do, that Hillary deplorable stuff. So there's a visceral dislike of it. And it's starting to coalesce. And because they have destroyed the Democratic Party in the minds of the white, lower middle class and working classes, they have no margin of error. If you look at you know how that works out. They need about 55% of the Hispanic vote minimum, and they need 90% of the African-American vote. Even those polls, which I think are skewed for the Democrats and the left, because people who take polls are like journalists, they're left wing. But nevertheless, it's the epitaph of the Democratic Party. They can't win. They cannot win when they have alienated the white middle class and they rely so heavily on minorities and they've done everything. They pandered, 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 and they don't realize that the more they pander the Democratic Party to blacks, the less people have respect for them, including blacks. And so that's why they're hemorrhaging there, too. I don't know how they get out of it, but I think we could see something in November of historic, I mean, historic proportions greater than 1938 or 2010. And I think the Democrats know it. 
and they're starting to, you know, they're, they're starting to prepare for it. And, you know, it's Putin's gas and all that, but they, they know what they've done and they've insulted the American people. You can do things that are injurious to the American people, but when you insult them and you say, oh, inflation just temporary, ah, your Peloton bike, your exercise, it's a matter of that, or, oh, it's, it's just because of the Putin, and they lie to them about it. They, they know it. And so I, I don't think they like these people. And it's going to be very interesting to see if they get wiped out, what is going to be the role of AOC and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and all of these race hustlers in the Democratic Party. It could be after like something like 1972, after McGovern took them down, over, took them over the cliff and they went to Jimmy Carter. They thought they would be a centrist, but I don't think well, they have any appeal for anybody anymore. Nobody wants the agenda, as you've shown with the polls. Right. My only question, though, Jack, is who are the one in three Americans who think Biden's doing a good job? Mm. I don't know who they are. I mean, think about it. I don't mean I'm out of touch. I understand there's people, you know, hell or high water are going to vote party. But what do they think has been good? The border is good. Or it's, I guess what I'm saying is I think they must feel we want as many people to be here who are illegal aliens. So it's good that Biden did that. Or we had too much power abroad. So I'm glad we were humiliated in Afghanistan. Or I want electric or hydrogen fuel or some alternate fuel to be competitive. So let's get those that gas price up to seven or eight dollars a gallon. You know, is that what it is? Because I can't think of any other reason why you'd think that this ungodly disaster is anything but an ungodly disaster. Yeah. Well, for any number of them, it's probably not Trump. They'll take that to their grave, but they are uh, far outweighed by the majority of Americans. Well, Victor, we're going to do a little more about Joe Biden, angry Joe. I don't know if he's angry when he's cognitive or not. He's probably angry all the time. Get off my lawn. But we're going to talk about him. Democrats calling for higher gas prices and a piece you've written about the green amoralists. One big final topic for today's podcast, and we'll do that right after this important message. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. We are back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, first, before we get into the final topic, let me remind our listeners at victorhanson.com. And I had said earlier, Victor O. Hanson, but that's not true, just for today. But victorhanson.com is where all of the material you write, of course, links to many of your appearances, you'll find it there. Much of what you write, not much, but a lot of what you write is exclusive. It's called Ultra. You need to subscribe to read it. It's copious. It's $5 a month. If you subscribe for the year, it's $50. So that's less than $5 a month. It's well worth it. And I strongly recommend that to our listeners if they're interested at all in what Jack Fowler does. Well, I'm the director of the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic. You can see what we do at centerforcivilsociety.com. And I also write a weekly email newsletter that's free. It's called Civil Thoughts, and you can sign up for that at civilthoughts.com. So, Victor, Joe Biden is angry. He met with House Democrats in Philadelphia last week. 
to say why it's Putin's fault, it's the Ukraine war's fault, not his fault, for uh, skyrocketing gas prices. He also said, look, I'm a capitalist. I'm not Bernie. He did the whispering thing that he, he seems uh, to have to do in any, any event. He um, gave what seemed to me, I'm half Italian too, I'll call it a bastardized Italian hand gesture as he squawked, and this was around a lot on the internet, I'm sick of this stuff. Like he's sick of, of being unjustly accused. So that's one thing, this I'm pissed performance. Second thing, the Democrats are calling for higher gas prices. So there's a editorial last week from the Wall Street Journal. You knew it was coming. This is the beginning of this editorial. Even as President Biden begs OPEC to pump more oil, Senate Democrats are threatening to punish U.S. oil companies with a windfall profits tax if they increase production. The contradiction nicely summarizes progressive energy policy. So skyrocketing gas prices. Let's further cut back on gas by beginning talk for windfall profits, oil tax. And then the third part of this segment here, Victor, is a piece you've written called The Green Immoralist. This is at American Greatness. I encourage our listeners to visit that website. You write there twice a week. You'll also find this piece on, on your website, and you're talking about the consequences of progressive energy policy, uh, what you also call Biden's oil madness. And the last line of this piece, you answer the question, what's the moral of Biden's oil madness? You write, elite ideology, divorce from reality, impoverishes people and can get them killed. So Victor, this is where the nexus of Democrat politics, energy policy, progressivism are all crossing at the intersection of disaster. Your elaboration of any of these points. I'll get to the policy right now in a minute, but I think that this creepy voice is sort of a surrogate tick that Biden is not allowed to any longer. He's kept in his cage where for years he would go up behind young preteen girls, remember, and bend over, whisper in their ear and whisper. And he can't do that anymore. So this is sort of his outlet because he's got something wrong with him. I mean, that's really scary and eerie and creepy when he starts to whisper like that. When I usually hear him whisper, I always associate him with it an innocent young girl who's trapped when he puts both hands in his shoulder and he whispers something in her ear and kind of gets too close to the, her ear with his lips. So this guy is, I've said that for three or four years. He's not a nice person. He was not a nice person before he had cognitive challenges. And he's certainly not now to the degree he knows anything. But it's not going to end well when you elect somebody like, knowingly elect somebody like that to bring a socialist agenda or the finish line onto the fake, you know, the veneer of Joe, old Joe Biden from Scranton, the moderate. And so, you know, he said some very strange things lately, Jack. You listed some of them, but remember he said inflation has nothing to do with spending money, nothing to do with federal money. And you would say, okay, there's some truth to that because you did two other things. You borrowed over a trillion and a half dollars. You're proposing a aggregate build back better. I don't know what it's five trillion dollars in aggregate. You had a big budget deficit. We're up to 30 trillion dollars in red ink, but you also printed trillions of dollars of money. So your quantitative, whatever term we want, right when demand was going to peak, as people got tired of COVID. They wanted to travel. They wanted to go out to eat. They wanted to remodel their homes. They wanted to buy a home. They wanted to buy a new car. At that time, you flooded them with easy, funny money. And you destroyed, the at the same time, the incentive to work with these cash, quote unquote, COVID checks. And so, yes, you printed too much money. And you destroyed the work ethic. And so it wasn't all just about the federal budget, because you did a lot of other things that enhance it. And because you did do that, you're going to have more than just inflation. You're going to have stagflation where you have real recessionary. I don't think people are going to be able to pay these prices, Jack. I don't think you can 
I don't think people who are used to $3 a gallon diesel fuel in California are going to pay six. I just don't think a trucker is going to say, you know what, that took $300 a day out of my budget. And I think we're going to, it's something, the rubber's going to hit the road. Something's going to get ugly quick. Something's going to get ugly. And this, I don't know what it will be, but he's not up to it. And there's going to be a demand. I think there's going to be a demand where the quote unquote wise men of the parties get together and they say, look, this is not funny anymore. This is dangerous, which now opens our second discussion very briefly that the agenda is dangerous. So we have the wrong approach to open borders. We have the wrong approach to the left's green initiatives. We have the wrong approach to their critical race theory. It's not stupid. It's not naive. It's cruel and it's mean. It gets people killed. When you shut down ANWR and you shut down all new federal leases and you shut down Keystone and you bully and badger lending agencies not to loan to fossil fuel and you lower the actual production per day by 2 million and you, as I said, forfeit the opportunity to do another 3 billion, then what you're doing is you're not shipping very much liquid natural gas to Germany to get get them off Russian oil or you're ensuring the world price as the largest consumer in the world, the world price is going to skyrocket and you're only helping Vladimir Putin. Or you're telling the landscaper or the house painter that has to drive 30 or 40 miles in a truck that's not necessarily a green truck of the latest vintage. That's just the way it's going to be. Or you're telling somebody that lives on the border, don't whine to me about three people coming across into your lawn yesterday that were drug dealers. That's your problem. And so he's not a nice guy, and his policies are not moral. They're amoral. They hurt people. They hurt people, and they can ruin people's lives. They can get people killed. If you doubt me, just think what would have happened if only if only in January 20th of last year, Joe Biden said, well, I believe in climate change. I had certain ideas, but I'm very worried that Vladimir Putin is on the move. And I'm going to double down on Anwar. We got to get even more than Keystone. That East Med pipeline is a wonderful idea. And in the last 13 months, he had done that. Putin wouldn't be in Ukraine right now. He just wouldn't. And so that's where we are. And everybody knows it. And it's dangerous. I think people on the left should have to deal with the idea that if you're on open borders and you're sending a lot of people with no background checks in the middle of a pandemic, that may have violence and you don't care what they do to people or if you're destroying deterrence in Afghanistan, you're arming the Taliban with $80 billion of cast off weaponry and you're waking the military up in terms of race, class, and gender, I should say race and gender. They don't talk about class anymore. Then you're dangerous and you're mean and you're, and you're cruel to people. And we've got to really do that with the left. It's a, an elitist, I guess, I thought it was let them eat cake, but now I guess it's let them drive Teslas, we're told. Yeah, which uh, won't exist for several years. And by the way, even when they do exist, where the hell does this battery power come from? It comes from the power ferry or what? Coal or solar panels or something. Yeah, crazy. Well, Victor, that's about all the time we have. Well, not all, because I have a little... I got to do a little Irish thing here. I got to read, read, I got to read a message or two. And then I'm going to give you a little quiz. First of all, though, we do really appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. We appreciate those who leave comments. I know a lot of people also leave comments on Victor's website. Let's just start looking at them a little more. But for those who leave comments and ratings on iTunes, here's two I'd like to read. One is called Always Worth the Time Invested. I'm never disappointed when I listen to BDH, no matter what the focus of his remarks. I admire the breadth and depth of knowledge he brings to us using language that is neither artificially simplified nor academically arrogant. He speaks to his audience in ways reminiscent of Walter Cronkite and Ronald Reagan, and his passion for small L liberalism and the founder's principles shines through with crystal clarity. I recommend his podcast to everyone I know. Tom Hansen. 
S-O-N, H-A-N-S-O-N, and he puts in parentheses, Norwegian, not Swedish. He's a retired colonel with the U.S. Army. Goes by Vanguard 06. So thank you, Colonel Hansen, for that kindness. And then here's another one I want to read. It's an idea, and I want to throw this out to our listeners. It's titled Inductive versus Deductive. It's from Frank 59. He writes, Jack, could VDH do a segment on inductive versus deductive reasoning, throw in empiricism and the scientific method too. His comment today regarding a previous podcast startled me to question my understanding of each, which appears to be lacking. I understood each had quote unquote valid applications with respective limitations. Thanks for the entertaining and educational podcasts. I've never missed one. So thanks, Frank59. I mentioned this to Victor. I want to encourage our listeners because Victor's going to be going off. He's got a little travel coming up at the end, beginning of the summer, and we have zero interest in having any breaks in productions. So we're going to record some podcasts for that time period. And one of the things we should do is entertain questions like Frank submitted. And yeah, we'll take that question, inductive versus deductive, and any others that folks want to be thrown into a hopper. And we'll create some podcasts out of that that Victor can answer. So Frank, 59, thanks for that. Again, anyone that has any thoughts along those lines, leave a comment in the iTunes comment section. So that said, now I mentioned earlier, this is St. Patrick's Day. So I have a question. I'm putting Victor on the spot. And Victor, I want you to complete, complete this <laughs> sentence. Oh, my name is Uncle Julius, and from Sweden I did come. Do you know what the next line is? No, I don't. To play with McNamara's band and beat the big bass drum. And do you know, Victor, McNamara's band, which is one of the great, you know, Irish-American tunes, this is how it ends. Oh, I wear a bunch of shamrocks and a uniform of green, and I'm the funniest-looking Swede that you have ever seen. There are O'Briens and Ryans and Sheehans and Means. They come from Ireland. But by Yemeni, I'm the only Schwede in McNamara's band. So I just wanted to note our <laughs> Swedish-Irish nexus on this day and in this podcast. And I do appreciate your good sense of humor. I think that yeah. since this is the age of ethnic chauvinism and <laughs> one drop, let's no, I right. can't say that. Elizabeth Warren didn't have one drop of Native American blood, did she? See, well, if you sliced it up a thousand and twenty-four <laughs> times, she did. So, but we're supposed to identify with long-lost ancestral right. lineages. So, I was really surprised that Sweden. Not only did I have to, as I mentioned, and bored the audience, I had to drive these ladybug old Volvos that my dad bought used and rye crackers and Electrolux vacuum that we had to rewire all the time. They shock us. But anything the Swedish, we had to say it was really good. Swedish steel. Remember, I walked on the Volvo, this old 544 Volvo, and it dented. My father said, get off that Swedish steel Volvo. And I say, <laughs> Dad, if it's Swedish steel, it wouldn't have dented. Right. right. So, and then later I would tease my dad in high school. I said, didn't? Didn't Sweden sell Germany, Hitler's Germany, the best iron ore in the war? And they threw in free shipping as yeah. thanks. And they did, of course. But anyway, I saw in the news, Jack, that the Swedes are becoming Swiss. They're all armed. And right. now they're going to have resistant cells and militias, a nation in arm. They've got a very sophisticated SAB munitions industry, the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And they, they were always, you know, very profit-minded. But it would be very hard to go into, I think Putin would have a very hard time to go into Sweden or Norway or, and right. try to take those countries. I think he could maybe Lithuania or Estonia or Latvia because they're much smaller and, and poorer. But even that would be difficult. And I know he couldn't go into Finland. Topic. The Finns or right. anybody read about that November 1939 war. I think in April of 1940, right. they slaughtered the Russians. I mean, they yeah. finally were overwhelmed and they, they had to negotiate a armistice. But even Stalin after the war, when he could have gone in there, didn't go in there. I'm just trying to remind yeah. our audience that 
once upon a time, there was a bunch of Swedes that came over <laughs> and they had a horrible time in Minnesota. Many of them stayed and uh, some of them came out to Kingsburg, California. It was a Swedish colony right near where we live. In it's a my beautiful town. Yeah. Yeah. My great grandfather and grandfather. And they were very strange people. I, I mentioned them all the time when they funerals, nobody cried. And I would see my uncle Al. I love that guy, Alfred Hansen. And my twin brother was named after him. And he would say, now, Victor, how are you doing? And he'd laugh. And I'd say, well, I got this. Well, I want to know if you're working hard. Are you working hard? And my grandfather would say, are you working hard? And then my dad, I guess, you know, Sunday afternoon, we'd have to work on the farm. We'd have to work after school. And Sunday, we'd be sitting around watching a football game. Is this the old man's club, the retired men's club, as I see here? Everybody's sitting around. I can think of a thousand things we can do. Uh So we would go out and trim trees and go on their farm and do it. And I said, Dad, this is work is noble. I said, why don't I just dig a hole and fill it and dig it and fill it? And he'd say, that wouldn't be a bad idea compared to sit on that chair in there and watch mindless TV. They had a very obsessive idea about hard work. And I've been kind of now because we're all victims and we want to blame our heritage as well as take credit for them. I feel I've been psychologically damaged Mm. because I don't relax and I try to work all the time. I'm just well, you. You do work all the time. By the way, I shouldn't have tried to interrupt before, but I did think, uh, just suggesting that maybe this arming of Sweden, or the Switzerlandization of Sweden might not be a bad idea for a strategic uh, observation. Yeah, you know? that would be a good issue. There was a guy who said, I don't know if you saw that thing going around the internet. Somebody sent me, three or four people sent a map of why America won't be taken over by Putin. And they had regional resistance names. And so it was like Southern California gangs. And then they had Oklahoma and Arkansas and it said alt-right resistance. And then it had something about Maine, you know, residual Yankees, right? all all the tough, weird people. And then it had Mormon nation in Utah. And the idea was that there were still a lot of frontiersmen in the United States that are armed and know how to use them. Yeah, no, I think uh, you you go a few miles outside of the metropolitan area, you're going to find a lot of SH blank T kickers. So, Victor. Okay. Bigora, my friend, and all others, thank you for your sharing your wisdom, Victor, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. And we will be back quite soon with another episode of The Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. 